Hey, Joe. Yes, Torin. You know who Cthulhu is? Uh, he's a great old one. Created by H.P. Lovecraft? Yeah. Then you know there's a Call of Cthulhu role-playing game? I, I am aware of that. We've played it together. Have we? Yeah, you made my guy go crazy and get bacteriophobia. But did you also know about Delta Green? I know a little bit about it, but you should tell me some more. Well, Delta Green revolves around a fictitious secret organization created by the U.S. government following the covert raid on the town of Innsmouth, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. From H.P. Lovecraft's The Shadow Over Innsmouth. Spearheaded by elements of the United States government, its members are dedicated to combat. This is like the A-Team, Q-A-Team music. Its members are dedicated to combating the mind-rending horrors of the Cthulhu mythos. The organization works undercover by contacting and gathering members across the wide range of U.S. government agencies like the FBI, ATF, CDC, and DEA. If you've got a great old one, if you can find them, perhaps you can hire Delta Delta Green. Green. There's a new book out, Delta Green Denied to the Enemy. How do you get this book, Torn? You can get it on uh, Amazon for Kindle. At Barnes & Noble for the Nook. That's where I eat my breakfast. Yeah. That's the, the Barnes & Noble e-reader. Right. And at iBookstore for the iPad and iPhone. But if you order the EPUB version at arcdream.com, that's A-R-C-D-R-E-A-M, and use the coupon code CAUSTIC, you get 20% off. 20%. Fantastic. So digital-only book. This particular novel, Delta Green Denied to the Enemy, is set entirely in World War II, just after the official creation of Delta Green, it follows a Nazi researcher and occultist who has a change of heart the closer he gets to fulfilling his supernatural mission. This is a book, uh, would it be considered in the Lovecraftian vein? It absolutely would. Lovecraft, modern uh, warfare. I love it when an unspeakable amorphous blob comes together. There's people exploding, limbs being blown apart, human sacrifice, fighting, shooting, ESP, dogs and cats living together, strong men losing their minds, horrible immortal monsters that will destroy humanity. So they're going to give you a copy so you can run us through it? It's not a role-playing It's not a role-playing supplement. supplement. This is an actual novel. Oh, this is a Accessible novel. to all. Oh. Yeah. Not just the role-playing nerd. Yeah, I'm getting this book for sure. You fucking better. That. <laughs> Bone Wars 2, Apatosaurus's Revenge. I'm Torin Atkinson. Hey, Therizinosaurus. Are those three-foot-long claws, or are you just happy to see me? I'm Joe Fulgham. Predator X, you have eaten my hammer. Now you must die. I'm Kevin Leeson. And this is Caustic Soda. Dinosaurs. Is that what they sounded like? There's no fossils of their calls, unfortunately. <laughs> I guess you could probably blow through their uh, nasal horns, some of the uh, palacosauruses and whatnot. Wouldn't the like, flesh and, vo- and organs and all the rest of that stuff would kind of contribute to the noise that they would make? And I guess we'll just have to recreate them with DNA. Ah, from mosquitoes din- in, an- <laughs> in dinosaur blood. Dinosaurs. <laughs> in 1841, the term dinosaur was coined by Sir Richard Owen from a combining form of the Greek dinos, which means? Thunder. Terrible. And sore lizard? Yep. Yeah, terrible lizard. Uh, and the phobia of uh, dinosaurs? Dinosaurophobia. Dinophobia. Close. Ornithoscalidophobia. Oh, yeah, that was close. <laughs> they were both words containing letters. Yes, yeah. in the English language. Ornitho meaning? Well, ornithopter is like a flying machine, so I'm going to go with flying? Uh, Ornithologists study? Birds. Yes. And skelis meaning? 
Bones? Skeleton? Hind leg. The fear of dinosaurs is a fear of bird hind legs? Yep. I don't get that. You should write a letter. I'm, I'm thoroughly confused. <laughs> but I confuse easily. So that's that's true. Much. That's established. Yeah. Dinosaurs can be generally described as terrestrial archosaurian reptiles with limbs held erect beneath uh, the body that existed from the late Triassic, that's 230 million years ago, to the late Cretaceous, that's 65 million years ago. 170 million years. Wow. Over 160. With limbs held erect, what does that mean? Does that mean off the ground? No. Uh, that means straight, straight out. out. More or less. More As or opposed less. to? Uh, on the side of its body? Like, ah. a, like a dimetrodon, maybe? There you go. I'm just guessing, actually. So many prehistoric animals are popularly conceived of as dinosaurs, such as ichthyosaurs, mosasaurs, plesiosaurs, the Loch Ness Monster, mm-hmm. pterosaurs, uh, but are not classified scientifically as dinosaurs. Right. So they get lumped up in like sort of colloquial terminology, but they so don't we'll actually probably, fit the criteria. We'll probably talk a bit or two about some flying some and aquatic prehistoric reptiles yeah, that may or may not be dinosaurs. Is that the official term for those non-dinosaurs? Prehistoric like, reptiles? Like the pterosaur. Is that their prehistoric reptiles? Only Professor Internet knows the answer to that question. All right. And uh, for everybody listening, he shrugged. For everybody out there, you missed uh, Torn actually mimicking the movement of a, of a dinosaur and a non-dinosaur while describing the position of the legs. That's right. So that was, uh, it, was, it was gold. We may uh, do some sketches and put them up on <laughs> of me doing the various dino- flash, dinosaur positions. Flash oh, animation. Ha- <laughs> and if, if Torn doesn't create those sketches, uh, I'd like you to make those sketches and mm. email them to info at causticsodapodcast.com. Before we do the science of dinosaurs, let's do the history of dinosaurs. 160 okay. million years. I would of... think that we have pretty much nothing but history of dinosaurs, but go ahead. <laughs> Well, let me put this to you then. Okay. Dinosaur myths and blunders. <laughs> Those foolish dinosaurs. This is this is the dinosaur blooper reel? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, nice. In the late 19th century, the famous paleontologist Othniel C. Marsh broached the idea that a second brain resided in Stegosaurus's rump, which presumably helped control the rear part of its body. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> oh, you like that, eh? It's almost as awesome as that guy's first name. Othniel? I love those old-timey names. Today, no one believes that Stegosaurus or any dinosaur had two brains, but it may well turn out that the cavity in the Stegosaurus's tail was used to store extra food in the form of glycogen or glycogen. Glycogen, so that's like sugary something. I don't know exactly what it is, but I recognize the root. Dinosaur myth and blunder number two. In 1845, Albert Koch heard stories of giant bones in Alabama and went down to cobble together a full skeleton. He eventually created a huge 114-foot skeleton of a sea serpent he called Hydrarchos which he displayed in New York City. It was eventually shown to have come from five different individuals, some of which were Bacillosaurus, a prehistoric whale. Oops. So he, he took like five prehistoric whales and cobbled them into one giant Frankenstein monster whale. Yeah. Now, how do we know which comes from which? Did they, is it DNA or are they just kind of, they're just smart enough to, to go, oh, this doesn't I don't go think, there? I don't think there's generally DNA in yeah, fossil I, remains because it's not actually bone. How no. do we know? How do they know then to go? Probably like the methodology the that they've developed over the last 150 years. They sort of like just looked at it and went, oh, that ain't right. That's not, that's not those, the way those things go together with this guy. It's, it's like when you're, um, when you're like eight years old <laughs> okay. and you got one of those thousand piece jigsaw puzzles. And you can't really make it work, so you just jam them in. Yeah. You kind of make them fit. Right. You're like, oh, I need a corner piece right here. Oh, Get the really scissors. Work. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost there. I just need to trim it just a touch. And that's what this guy probably did. Well, that's just like your opinion, man. 
They probably have some giant tome at the National History Museum of all dinosaurs and right. all of the bone drawings and everything. So yeah. if you get a bone, you take it to the experts and they say, oh, we've seen that before. It That's was found this. in this okay. site with this entire skeleton or just these fragments or whatever. And or, uh, or even this guy may have even recorded like how he found the bones and then just looking by looking back at his documentation going, oh, that's not the way we would have assembled this creature mm-hmm. now. Or maybe respect. maybe somebody who knew about actual uh, how bones fit together looked at this thing yeah. that he made and went, what? <laughs> what? Huh? Dinosaur blunder number three. In 1868, one of the longest running feuds in modern science got off to a rousing start when paleontologist Edward Drinker Cope, yes, Drinker. These guys all have great names. <laughs> this is awesome. It's like the all-name team. I'm going to hyphenate my name and start it off with Sleeper. <laughs> sleeper. He can be Drinker. I'll be Sleeper. He reconstructed an elasmosaurus skeleton with its head on its tail rather than its neck. I had heard about this one. Yeah, they got it backwards. According to legend, this error was quickly pointed out in a not very friendly way <laughs> by Cope's rival, Othniel C. Marsh. Oh, man. Othniel, he was uh, all over the map. The first shot in what came to be known as the late 19th century's Bone Wars. Ooh, somebody <laughs> TM that. Like, yeah, and Bone Wars, I'll tell you, that was a uh, that was my Saturday night a couple of weeks ago. Ew. Bone Wars? I love this Marge guy. He, he he makes a blunder himself and then totally punks some other guy out on a, on a blunder of his own, right? Oh, yeah. Let's delve more into well, the Bone Wars. I might have been it's wrong, like, but at least I didn't put its head on its tail. Hail. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Stegosaurus may not have a brain in its ass, but at least I know where the ass and the head go. That guy can't tell his dinosaur head from his dinosaur ass. <laughs> Cope claimed that Marsh had paid quarrymen in New Jerseymen to divert fossils they found for him to Marsh. Personal attacks between the men thinly veiled as scientific criticism followed in articles that they wrote for publication. <laughs> thinly veiled as scientific criticism. Well, seeing as how neither of them seem to be much of a scientist, it's probably thinly veiled just by virtue of the fact that they were writing it. Well, you know, this was the late 1800s, so. 1868, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, Scientist is a loose term. <laughs> but I just love how these two guys have, like, the biggest blunders in paleontology history, and they're still calling each other out. One outgrowth of these bone wars was an unscientific competition to see who could discover the most species of extinct beasts. In each scientist's rush to beat the other, they often base their claims in incomplete or inaccurate data. In order to show the other guy up, they just merely exacerbate the problems that existed previously. Uh, In 1877, Marsh wrote a short article for the American Journal of Science that didn't have illustrations and included only a description of the animal's vertebral column, but he named the creature anyway. Marsh estimated that the Apatosaurus, meaning deceptive lizard, was 50 feet long. Marsh followed this article with another one where he showed a sketch of the pelvis, shoulder blade, and vertebrae. Two years later, in another article, Marsh claimed finding another dinosaur based on a description of the pelvis and vertebrae, which he named Brontosaurus and estimated it to be 70 to 80 feet long. A nearly complete skeleton found by Marsh was mounted in Yale's Peabody Museum, this skeleton was the first sauropod dinosaur put on display anywhere in the world when it was mounted in 1905, and the animal was clearly labeled Brontosaurus. Uh-huh. In his rush to beat Cope, Marsh had made a mistake. Again. Oh, nice. Again. The Apatosaurus was not a separate species, but simply a juvenile Brontosaurus. In 1903, Elmer Riggs of the Field Museum Chicago was studying Marsh works, Marsh's work when he found this mistake. Uh, the apatosaur specimen is merely a young animal, the form represented in the adult by the brontosaur specimen. 
Riggs, following the scientific naming rules for animals that applied at the time, added, In view of these facts, the two genera may be regarded as a synonymous. As the term Apatosaurus has priority, Brontosaurus will be regarded as a synonym. Oh, really? So despite Brontosaurus losing its official status very early in the 20th century, the name continued to be used in popular books, semi-technical articles, and even on museum displays. So technically, the Brontosaurus' actual proper name is the Apatosaurus. Exactly. The Brontosaurus just stuck. The naming question came to a head in 1989 when the U.S. Post Office decided to release a set of four stamps illustrating dinosaurs. One was a picture of a large sauropod labeled Brontosaurus. This upset some dinosaur enthusiasts, or dinophiles, that just made sense. that word up, who accused the Postal Service of promoting scientific illiteracy. Wow, that's a strong word to throw around. The other more glaring error in the dinosaur poster stamp set was the inclusion of pteranodon, which we discussed was a not a dinosaur but a flying reptile mm-hmm. these guys in their competition it i, I kind of get this crazy bad scientist venture brothers type <laughs> feel to it like, <laughs> like he's doc ventured like trying his might to be a super scientist but in the field of paleontology and then just trying failing. to beat his uh, what was his brother's name jones venture jr yeah exactly yeah to add insult to injury it was discovered that brontosaurus had the wrong head oh nice and here's the thing about science. At least he didn't put the head on the tail, though. Science can be wrong. He's got that going for him. Science can be wrong. Thankfully, it it's figures that out and corrects that eventually. Yeah, because you always got some jerk across the country who's willing to call you out on it. <laughs> yeah. You can't give him like a little discreet kind of like, hey, buddy, you put the head on the tail. You switch it in the middle of the night and no one will know the difference. <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> if Just it swap through it, not this whole like, hey, jackass. Nice head on your tail there, buddy. Can you imagine the massive flame wars had this happened these days with internet? They should have called them the dinosaur flame wars instead of the bone wars. <laughs> I don't know. Bone wars sounds pretty That's awesome. true. Actually. Bone wars. Yeah. I take that back. <laughs> I want to see like a. I want to see a new Transformers episode called Transformers Bone Wars or series. Ooh. Where they like transform into like skeletal robots. <laughs> transform into cars that are all just bone cars. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. As opposed to the da- creepy yeah. fossilobots. <laughs> <laughs> Facilibots transform into bone and lie there. <laughs> Facilibots okay. transform into tar. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get these energon cubes by crushing you over thousands and millions of years. <laughs> Under incredible heat and pressure. Strangely <laughs> enough, that is the way that we get our energy these days. Here, these, this is, pop quiz is all about the biggest. The so, biggest, okay. Which was the biggest carnivore? It's, Wasn't the T-Rex? No, I'm going to say no. T-Rex is the obvious but uh, wrong answer, much like on QI that sets off the honk honk. Noises. I think I know this. I'm going to hear it. It's like... Got want a some... clue? It had a huge crocodile-like mouth and a sail of skin jutting up from its back. It was slightly heavier than T-Rex, weighing in at seven or eight tons. The Stegosaurus? No. Uh, it's not a carnivore, my friend. Dimetrodon? It's Man. not that new dinosaur, the Predator X, is it? <laughs> Predator X? Yeah, yeah. They, they found like a seaborne bones like on a beach somewhere and they've, oh. they've called it Predator X. It just came out like six months ago or something. No. No, you know what? Technically, it's not a dinosaur because it was, it was uh, a aquatic. Marine reptile. But it does have the coolest Predator X. Predator, <laughs> Predator X. We found it on Planet X. Yeah, but it, it's, it's like the largest aquatic prehistoric creature they've ever found. Oh, cool. Yeah. Here's another clue. Appeared in Jurassic Park 3. Never watched Jurassic Park 3 because nope. it looked like it blew. And it didn't was on the logo for Jurassic Park 3. Uh, did you see Jurassic Park yes, 3? Yes, I did. Wow, did wow. it blow as bad as it looked like it was going to blow? It had William H. Macy in it. Okay, that didn't answer the question. <laughs> it wasn't as bad as Jurassic Park 2? Because I saw that, and that blew as well. I boycotted it wasn't great. as a result of 2. I think we give up. Uh, Spinosaurus. Spinosaurus. Oh, Never after heard. the big, ridgy spine thing, I guess we should have, like, 
taking a flyer on Spinosaurus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you'd get that one. You're not going to get these ones then. I've I've officially <laughs> never I've officially never heard of a Spinosaurus. Hey, look at Spinosaurus. No, I've never seen that dinosaur before. And it's bigger than a T-Rex. There's the size comparison. We'll All put right. that up on the uh yeah. podcast.com. For sure. Yeah, but biggest raptor. Uh not a velociraptor? Absolutely not. In fact, the velociraptor is actually much smaller than as portrayed in Jurassic Park. Oh. Adult specimens weighed almost a ton. With this dinosaur, the characteristic single curved claws of the raptor family attained Freddy Krueger-like sizes. Kind of like the difference between a medieval broadsword and a Swiss army knife. Weirdly, this giant-sized raptor lived 50 million years before its more famous descendants, which were considerably smaller. So what are the the qualities of a raptor that separate it from other dinosaurs? Like, why is it a sub... They're bipedal. It says here, feathered with a long, stiffened tail and an enlarged, sickle-shaped claw on each hind foot, which is thought to have been used to kill its prey. There you go. All right, okay. It can be distinguished from other dromosaurids by its long and low skull with an upturned snout. Oh, well, now I got it. That's all you needed to know? That's all I needed to know. Now, uh, it is the uh, the <laughs> l- uh, larger raptor. It's the Utah raptor. The Utah. Can you guess where it was found? Uh, I don't know, but it had multiple wives, obviously. <laughs> all right. Biggest ever dinosaur. This is the last one in the pop quiz. It's not the Brontosaurus? Oh, isn't it something like Megasaurus or something along those lines? It's up to 130 feet long. Uh-huh. It's 110 tons. Uh-huh. It ate plants. Distinguishing characteristics include long neck, relatively small head. Sounds a lot like a Brontosaurus. Give you another hint. To date, researchers haven't found an entire skeleton, but what they have found, four-foot-long vertebrae and five-foot-long tibia, was dug up in present-day Argentina. They don't actually have a complete skeleton of this creature. The Argentinosaurus? Correct. Just so, want to note, I didn't look that up. From this one vertebra and this femur, they're surmising how big it is. Yep. Right. Could it technically be like a dinosaur that was actually quite tiny but only had like <laughs> one giant vertebra and giant trunk like stick legs? Absolutely. Like it is, it, it it could is be possible the, but not likely. It could be the Stiffabacosaurus? Yes. Right, the <laughs> The vertebratosaurus? The vertebratostumpalegosaurus. Just one big five-foot-wide neck. It's only about ten feet tall. Yeah, In fact, it, it's just got the one leg yeah. <laughs> and the one, the one vertebra and yeah. then a head on the top. That's right. It's the pogosaurus. It uses its entire body as its phallus. Yeah, that's how it feeds. It just rams things. The female's built quite differently. <laughs> Let's talk about some unusual dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. My favorite kind. Okay. Jehalopterus. 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 Okay. Je, wait, Jehadoropterus? That sounds like the very similar... More closer to Jehovahlopterus. The similar Jehalopterus, which is oh. the dinosaur that's got a huge, huge ass. ass. Yeah. This flying reptile was distinguished by its unusually large and sharp claws, its cat-like head with, at least according to one paleontologist, prominent fangs, its widely articulated jaws meaning it could open its mouth wider than other pterosaurs. So mm-hmm. this is, again, one of those flying reptiles. Flying reptiles. Isn't uh-huh. the P not technically pronounced? Isn't that's like yes, true. Okay, you're just doing it for, to be funny. Okay, so people aren't confused. Well, and the listener will now know that it starts with a silent P instead of a T. Yeah, because they're not reading the show notes. They, yeah. We wouldn't want them to think it meant pterosaur. Why did Jehalopterus have so many specialized features? Speculation has run rampant. Rampant, I tell you. <laughs> the paleontologist referenced above believes this pterosaur clung to the backs of large terrestrial dinosaurs and sucked their blood like a modern vampire bat. What? A vampire dinosaur? 
Oh my god, this is a sci-fi original TV movie if I've ever heard it. <laughs> exactly. TM. Other experts in the field aren't convinced, and the weight of the evidence now is that Jehalopterus may have been much uh, much closer to average pterosaur-wise than was initially advertised. But still, I bet you there's vampire dinosaurs out there sure. in that 160 million year period. How yeah. long has humans been the dominant life on Earth? 200,000 years? Maybe not even, right? Uh, it was about 50,000 years ago that we reached full behavioral moder- modernity. Yeah. Um, and we originated about 200,000 years ago there you go. anatomically. See, I got the number right. Only got like 168.8 million more years to go. Therizinosaurus. 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 It's Greek for reaping lizard. Reaping lizard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He reaps what he sows? And he sows death. <laughs> we'll post the is picture okay? up on causticsodapodcast.com, of course. Oh, this is Claws the length of human arms, a beaked skull set atop a long neck, a pot belly, and a bipedal stance. This is a little bit like uh, Watto from uh, the Star Wars. <laughs> Only money. Therizinosaurus has been depicted as sporting everything from big bird-like feathers to alien-looking black and green stripes. But, as is often the case, we may never know for sure. It's all just theory. Because the organic matter never never makes it. It's only the... Yeah, but they found a bunch of, like, uh, what they call um, quill nubs or something like that okay. for a lot of dinosaurs, mm-hmm. right. which implies that they have they uh, had feathers. feathers. And, of course, we know Archaeopteryx has feathers. But uh, why did Therizinosaurus have such long claws? It seems unlikely they're used for hunting since weapons this huge and blunt would be ineffective in combat. Uh, most paleontologists think this dinosaur used its claws to scale trees and collect fruit and leaves, much like a modern sloth. Oh, that's oh, a okay. slothosaur. I get it. That makes. It's also possible the claws were a sexual adaptation. What? <laughs> Jealous much? <laughs> no. I, I like being able to use my fingers without ripping open my partner. <laughs> but uh, what we mean by that is uh, it's a way for males of the species to attract the attention of females. Oh, I see. Necessarily. Check out like the size of my claw. Stick claws into things or where they shouldn't go. drumming their fingers on tabletops. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> so did the females not have those? Don't know. I would think that they might. All the lady therizinosauruses. Handing it out in the corner. Look at the size of his claws. <laughs> big claws, you know, big. You know what they say. <laughs> That's the problem for modern paleontologists is you have to think about age of the dinosaur that you mm-hmm. find. You have to think about the gender of the dinosaurs you find. So if males and females are different sizes and different... Uh, Slightly different makeups. Morphologies. Yeah. Then you can think they're a totally different species. The brontosaurus and the apatosaurus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect or, example. All right. What, lesser what, of two eels. <laughs> Uh, what dinosaur don't you want to be eaten by? Do we want to go straight to T-Rex? We haven't really – we've only talked about this was bigger well, and yeah. da, da, da. I would think that being attacked by a bunch of velociraptors would be worse than being attacked by yeah, a T-Rex. Yeah. The, a T-Rex, guy, it's kind of one bite or one stomp and you're done, right? Right. Velociraptor, it's like being attacked be by hyenas. Alive, yeah. Yeah, you'd be eaten alive. And they're about the same size. Yeah. Like they're the size of a, of a large turkey and uh, so like four or five of those. <laughs> They make that sound, too. They certainly wouldn't have been nearly so threatening in Jurassic Park if they had been gobbling around as they were chasing And they had a big uh, velociraptor for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Delicious. I totally want velociraptor for Thanksgiving now. That's the first thing you do when they find out the DNA sequencing. 
Yeah. Uh, Just breed so, them and put them in those big trucks that are tightly packed together going down the highway. You know, you got the like the, the somewhat tiny razor sharp teeth and the somewhat tiny razor sharp claws and yep. you know, it'll take them a it's while. It's like to, death of a million cuts. Yeah, it'll take you it'll take them a while to take you down. Yeah. So we're gonna say torn apart by you swarmed by raptors. Okay, or uh serving a life sentence in a surreal French anarchist prison. Ooh. Call back to the art episode. I like that. This life is- sentence. Torn apart by velociraptors. <laughs> that doesn't sound like fun. No. no. But spending the rest of your life in an, no anarchist, parole. in an anarchist art prison. Yeah, where uh, everything's all surreal and you've got uh, nothing to lie on because it's all arched weirdly. It's like those benches that they have so uh, homeless people can't sleep on them. <laughs> Put that little metal bar in the middle. I'm not a claustrophobe. Uh, in but you are slopophorophobic. <laughs> I think the biggest fear that I have in all of the world is incarceration forever. Oh. Like to be locked in a room and not be able to go anywhere and, you know, be constrained okay. to like an eight foot by 10 foot zone. That, that you got to be free. Do I, you you got to flap your wings and fly. Fly like an eagle. <laughs> so you choose Who's death seen? by Velociraptor then? Painful, horrifying, but then it's over. You certainly don't have to live with the consequences. What I've, what I've seen on Walking with Dinosaurs mm-hmm. is that one interpretation of their method is similar to the way Komodo dragons Hunt and kill. Oh, yeah. How's that? Which uh, Komodo dragons will bite wildebeest, for example, mm-hmm. and the venom will sink in, and the wildebeest will take days to eventually die, and they just follow it around mm. until it dies. So Komodo one tra- dragons have venom? Yeah. And velociraptors had venom? I'm just going to posit that maybe they do. Maybe they hunt the same way, because I saw on that Walking with Dinosaur specials, they basically jump on your back and tear at you with their claws and then jump off. And sort of wait for you to bleed to death. Right. Yeah, but that's when they're attacking like brontosauruses and triceratops and all the rest of that stuff. These giant like 10 ton creatures. Yeah. And so they're, they're a lot harder to take down than a guy like me. Right. <laughs> you know, if, that's true. If like three or four of these jumped on my back and tore me open in an effort to make me bleed to death, it probably wouldn't take me days. It probably would take me a matter of minutes. That's true. And it would be what a if nice... it's just one velociraptor? And aside from the pain, it would be a nice quiet death because you just slowly bleed out and things would go black. <laughs> well, yeah, Velociraptor breathing kinda, on your neck. Yeah, it would it would be like five feet away, just out of reach, no, just no, staring at you with that evil waiting. chicken eye. Just no, no emotion, just like, an eye, just watching you, waiting for your movement to. It's stop. like that episode of Tom and Jerry where they. <laughs> there was an they, episode of Tom and Jerry where, with Velociraptors where tearing Tom, them to pieces. Where Tom mortally wounded. <laughs> Jerry and waited for him to bleed out. Maybe it wasn't Tom and Jerry. I need to see this. It might have been itchy and scratchy. There was definitely an episode of a cartoon where that episode needs to happen. The cat was just like trying to stay awake and its eyes were closing and then it would open and you could see the mouse a little bit closer okay. and then its eyes would slowly go down and then it opened and it was a little, the mouse a little bit closer. Okay, I remember that one actually. Yeah. So I suspect that in spite of the fact that their methodology was to kill slowly, yeah. human being probably couldn't withstand the kind of damage that they would inflict. So uh, I think I'm going to go with Velociraptors. Okay, I have to disagree. There's hope. There's always hope when you're stuck in the art prison. Anarchy is not going to – it can't last that long. It's not a very very good system for maintaining stability by definition. So like you'd be stuck in this prison technically for the rest of your life, but you would at least have hope that you know the anarchists would all kill each other and somebody would eventually – Because they're anarchists. Because they're anarchists. They yeah, but it would only take like a year for you to be driven insane by your anarchist <laughs> art prison. I don't know. Because they put you maybe in these they, geometric spaces where you can't sleep. Enough. 
If you recall to the episode, they talked about how these prison cells were designed so that you couldn't actually lay out to sleep. Yeah, you, you know they you couldn't walk. You couldn't pace across the room because they yeah. put all these blocks in the floor and stuff yeah. like that. That's right, and they turn it into a game. Slope. Yeah, you know, I think it would be a game for a very, I'm, very, very short amount of time. I'm, I'm agreeing it would be annoying, but I just don't buy into the fact that it, the, the idea that it would like drive you insane. It would just be like, man, this is pretty annoying. It would be like you know when somebody sticks their wet fin- finger in your ear. Ah, cut it out. It's not going to drive me crazy. I don't know when they I strap still you, want it to happen. When they strap you to a table and like drip a drop of water on your forehead like every minute and a half, that drove people insane in like a matter of days. So they say. I don't know. I'd just be like, okay, can we cut it out? The problem that I have with the art prison, mm-hmm. you know, they paint the walls up to look disconcerting and horrible colors and everything. Yeah. yeah. And just staring at a, a nice piece of art in the wall for like <laughs> months. Yeah. It's like oh, I got to change that. <laughs> yeah. It's so torn that actually he's steering away. He's steering towards being torn apart by velociraptors because he's an art snob. I think I am. (laughs) Just escape into your imagination. Plus, if I'm being uh, torn apart by velociraptors, A, they've recreated velociraptors, or B, I've gone backwards in time. (laughs) That's right. Either one of those being a really big win. That is pretty much score, score. That's win, win for sure. And I'm going to say also that I'm the first person to be killed by by velociraptors, and that's something. So we got two for velociraptor and one for uh, tortured and it is possible that they'll they'll bleed you and take a chunk out and then realize that they don't like the the taste. Oh, yeah, because of all the toxins I've got built up in my body from eating McDonald's. (laughs) They could be totally allergic to MSG. They could, like, take one nibble on you. <laughs> and just keel over. And just keel over. Have... <laughs> it's the Jurassic Park version of War of the Worlds. <laughs> oh, the dinosaurs are attacking. Oh, my God. We're, we're going to... Oh, they just all died from all the poison we've been putting in the air. Hooray, pollution. <laughs> Here we go back in time. Don't touch anything. <laughs> downtown. Downtown. That is where I want to be.
In the news. <laughs> the most feared of dinosaurs, Tyrannosaurus rex, appears to have been cannibalistic. That's now hardly we, surprising. Now we know why they're all dead. Yes, it wasn't an asteroid. Just they, too, they, just they were so damn tasty. Tyrannosaurus rex ate all the other species and then ate themselves. Yes. <laughs> While reviewing the dinosaur fossils of the T-Rex, paleontologists from Yale, the University of Alberta, Montana State University, and Florida State University found large teeth marks that suggest bites from other T-Rex dinosaurs. Maybe they were love bites. Yeah, they like they love biting everything. Yeah, right to the bone. <laughs> hey, don't... I love you this much. <laughs> don't knock it till you try it, man. <laughs> They're the kind of marks that any big carnivore could have made, but T-Rex was the only big carnivore in Western North America 65 million years ago. They found a number of examples of this type of cannibalism by reviewing other fossil collections in museums. It's surprising how frequent it appears to have been, said some guy. <laughs> we're not exactly sure what that means. <laughs> the scientists believe that the marks were made when one dinosaur fed on another, perhaps at the culmination of a fight between the two predators. So this could have been like an alpha male sort of situation. Like one guy was stepping to the other guy and he was like, oh, no, yeah. you didn't. And, and then he's he, like, oh, I'm also hungry. Yeah, and he went to bitch slap him, but his like little tiny arms enraged <laughs> him. And so he's just like, bitey, I'm getting all bitey on your ass. Modern big carnivores do this all the time. It's a convenient way to take out the competition and get a bit of food at the same time. Two birds, one stone age. What's all this I've been hearing about Predator X? Was It, a, it was like a mutant uh, dinosaur with like adamantium claws. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, a giant fossil sea monster found in the Arctic had a bite that would have been able to crush a 4x4 car, according to its discoverers. Is that 4 feet by 4 feet? No. That's I a small car. I believe it means 4x4 four four drive, so oh. I guess they're meaning a truck. Yeah, like a Tahoe or a, uh, yeah. or a Suzuki Swift. Researchers say the marine reptile, which measured an impressive 15 meters or 50 feet long, had a bite force of about 16 tons or 35,000 pounds. Wow, that's a lot. Ooh. The creature's partial skull was dug up last summer in the Arctic archipelago of Svalbard by a Norwegian-led team. Svalbard. Dubbed Predator X, it patrolled the oceans some 147 million years ago. Okay, here, here's what I want to throw out there, right? You chopped us up and put us into a meat grinder. When they decided that they were going to name this thing, yeah. I'm guessing they're sitting there drafting the press release, and they're thinking to themselves, what is going to 100% ensure that every news agency <laughs> in the world is going to cover this? Should we call it the Bitosaurus? Should we call it the... Chompadon? The, the, the Svalbardosaurus? The Svalbardosaurus, like, uh, you know, the Argentinosaurus yeah. and all the rest of these na- na- Although, getting named that will be the final name. Right? And they said they went, let's call it something really cool like Predator X. And that it was a purely PR-related decision. Maybe it was discovered by Professor X. You don't know. (laughs) The lamest name would be something like Huggasaur. something in this stone. Huggasaur. The the Huggasaur. That would be the lamest name. I mean, come on. (laughs) That would be the most awesome name, actually. (laughs) Yeah, when they find a fossilized Care Bear, that's what they'll call it. <laughs> it's not care bears, they're care reptiles. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the Hugosaurus. No, like seriously, it's got to like have it's got to start with Latin, end with Saurus. That's how you name these creatures. Although the fact that I know that Predator X existed is purely because it was called Predator X. It's true. Yeah, uh, its jaws may have been more powerful than those of a Tyrannosaurus Rex, though estimates of the dinosaurs bite very substantially. I'm gonna call you Hugosaurus from now on. Hugosaurus. <laughs> no, I'm a Skeptosaurus. So the four x four vehicle they were talking about was a Hummer. May oh. have been able to crush a Hummer. So that right. is a pretty big. 4x4. So uh, they like to eat douchebags as well. Which... Oh, tying into the Arnold uh, factor, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're gonna, yeah, that's right. We're gonna resurrect these specific ones to go after. 
Hummer drivers. <laughs> February oh. 1st, 2011. Dinosaur Ooh. bone discovery suggests some lived long after meteorite. Oh, this is dun, definitely dun, dun. This is big time dinosaur news. Uh, this is from the Montreal Gazette. Uh, a fossilized sauropod bone dated by a team of Canadian and U.S. scientists to 64.8 million years ago appears likely to force a serious rethinking of the demise of dinosaurs, mm. which were supposed to have been wiped out in a catastrophic meteorite strike no later than 65.5 million years ago. 700,000 years before the death of the giant vegetarian beast that left its femur behind in present-day New Mexico. There's a lot of different theories, but the asteroid is definitely the... uh, It's the premier one right now. There's like... I was listening to a podcast talking about uh, how toxic algae may have been responsible or even insects and stuff like that. Yeah, getting it to such large masses that they just release toxic gas. Algae commonly found naturally around the world could be the culprit that led to the demise of the dinosaurs. During the summer, scientists warned of toxins in algae blooms in lakes and ponds in the northwest and west midlands. Current thinking blames either climate changes, sea level, volcanic activity, or asteroids as the primary cause of death for more than 50% Mm. of life on Earth. However, geologists said they all contributed, but killer algae was the final straw. They found evidence that blue-green algae, which produces poisons and deplete oxygen, were present in sufficient quantities to kill off untold numbers of plants and animals living on land or in the sea. So there's uh, that's wow. Mother Nature coming back at you and saying, screw you, you've had enough time. That bitch. You dinosaurs are too big for your britches. <laughs> They're big for any britches. You dinosaurs are too sassy. You got too much so, sass. But we're, let's go back to this article about that they've discovered dinosaurs 700,000 years after the meteorite hit. The new findings, Heman told Post Media News on Friday, appear to support Facet's theories that at least some dinosaurs survived the catastrophic impact and persisted for hundreds of thousands of years. I, I don't think it's all that surprising. I mean, we got we, birds. We've got birds. We've got uh, alligators and crocodiles, which are very uh, dinosaur like. Sharks have been around for that long. Yeah, it didn't wipe out um, all life on Earth. And it wouldn't be exactly. You know, it doesn't have to be 100% to have caused enough damage that yeah, they generally well, died out. I saw a show that on some learning type channel, they talked about how the dinosaurs were all wiped out because they were the largest creatures on the planet at mm-hmm. the time. And that they needed the most oxygen and the most mm-hmm. environment and the most. And the, they, the creatures that survived were primarily aquatic and very small creatures on land masses because they were the ones who could forage in this new environment, which had been basically scorched earth, right? And Movies. So we watched the movie. Carnosaur. Wow, oh, my bad. God. That was awful. It was, oh. it was bad, but watchable, unlike... Ice Age 2, Dawn of the Dinosaurs. Ice, got Ice, about Ice five, Age 3. Ice Age 3, yeah. Got about five minutes into that. I don't watch the Ice Age movies, but you know the I little... saw the first one. The first one was half decent. What's, yeah, the the name of the, what's the name of that little guy looking for the nut? He's like the little mammal. He's the little Squeechy. squirrel. Whatever. I don't even know if it has a name. His little bit was funny. It was uh, kind of a throwback to, you know, Wile E. Coyote cartoons. I like that part. It, uh, basically, the opening sequence was the trailer for yeah. the movie. Like, yeah. That's what you would see... And the first minute and a half of the film is actually what you saw to promote the film. And right. it was quite entertaining. It was good, fun to watch. And like you say, Wiley Coyote, I mean, he actually, yeah. it, he, he actually, actually fell fall. into a, a chasm yeah. and hit the ground and left yeah. like a little dust cloud, just like Wiley Coyote would. <laughs> uh, but then the talking started. Yeah, the talking and the mammoths and the, the mammoths. The, the mammoths are going to have a baby and suddenly I didn't care anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they oh. built a playground and, oh, God. It was awful. But Carnosaur, on the other hand, had eggs exploding out of ladies' vaginas. Vajayjays. <laughs> Killing them with the splatters of black fluid. Now, don't get me wrong here. This movie should not be watched. Carnosaur. 
Uh, I don't. I'm not encouraging any of our listeners to go see it. Are you kidding? I, it's like I am. If Jim Henson didn't have a budget, he would have made this movie. Oh, uh, <laughs> is a Roger Corman. There was a point where the Carnosaur was actually walking along a road, uh, and they they had to use a lot of forced perspectives and stuff like that, and it just became so patently obvious that the Carnosaur was a hand puppet that somebody was walking right next to camera because you couldn't see its legs and it was kind of just like bobbing unevenly. And yeah, there was no stop motion animation. No. Unlike one million years BC, starring Raquel Welch. Oh, yeah, there was a mixture there. There was some stop motion stuff and some pure comp stuff where they just like shot an iguana, yeah, and like you know blew it up to giant dinosaur size and then stuck it in the background of the picture. Back when turtles and iguanas and T Rexes and humans all lived in harmony. Perfect I mean, harmony. Yeah, <laughs> not harmony not at all. Harmony. <laughs> the best part about that movie was Raquel Welch. Well, apart from oh. Raquel Welch, so, you know, oh. if people are enjoying themselves. Dinosaur attack imminent. Because both times they're like, oh, we're going to relax in this pool. We're just going to relax and get to know each other. Oh, dinosaur attack! <laughs> yeah. I refuse to entertain any phrase that starts with besides Raquel Welsh when referring to that film. <laughs> it is impossible to divorce Raquel Welsh from any conversation of One Million Years B.C. That she's woman, pretty amazing. She's a mutant. She wow. stayed gorgeous her entire life. She's apparently still living. I didn't even wasn't even really aware of that. I hadn't thought of her in a while. And seventy years old. I'm sure she's seventy years old and gorgeous. Yeah, her she hair's is probably not as good. Actually, it wasn't even that good in the movie. But no, she wasn't cave, that good. <laughs> caveman perm. Well, there was no English. There was no spoken no, language. That's true. Just the narrator at the very beginning. I am the yep. narrator, and I will set this up a little bit, and then oh, I'm done. That was the funniest part. The narrator is in for the first minute and a half of the movie. Yeah. And then you're like, you're waiting for him to come back in and kind of phrase it. Yeah. Uh, recouch it in any way, shape, or form. Never returns. And his little minute and a half diatribe at the beginning ends with, and that is our story. <laughs> and that's the last you hear of him. It's yeah. awesome. But You know it, what that movie was missing? A second Raquel Welsh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, a, love in, a female love interest for Raquel Welsh. Yeah. No, I was going to say a garbage can that was a pelican. Just like in the Flintstones, right? Yeah. Oh, or yeah. the dishwasher that was a uh, woolly mammoth or yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Terrible film. Worth watching just for Raquel Welsh. Did anyone see Land of the Lost film adaptation of the Saturday oh, morning the live one. action? The Will Ferrell? Yeah. No. It was supposed to be terrible. Yeah. I, I watched it. I heard it was going to be te- terrible. I enjoyed it. Really? What? Which part did you enjoy? I enjoyed the whole thing. Huh? He has a pain look on his face, folks. <laughs> he doesn't like <laughs> admitting kinda, this. He's sort of pinching. I, the, I love slee stacks. Okay. I when see. I you got a slee stack <laughs> bias. <laughs> I uh-huh. As soon as I started, as soon as I heard they were making this movie, and I started seeing pictures of slee stacks on the internet. I smiled quietly to myself. Okay. <laughs> so basically you feel about Slee Stacks like I feel about 1966 Raquel Welsh. Yeah. Maybe not exactly the same way, but <laughs> it's in the ballpark. Yeah. yeah. I've heard the main problem is that Will Ferrell's comedy is skewed completely towards five-year-old kids. I originally, when I heard it was coming out, I was I was interested. I thought I was going to go see it. And then I saw the trailer and it's just Will Ferrell running around screaming. Yeah. The whole trailer is just him running. There is a lot of that. Over like a hill and screaming yeah. and running back and screaming. And I uh, thought to myself. The funny man got hurt again. In spite of the fact that I like Will Ferrell, that I think he's a comedy genius, two yeah. hours of him running around screaming and having like CGI creatures put him into situations where he can scream some more just didn't appeal to me. There are some pretty funny bits in it, though. And it does have a woman with cleavage in it, so you guys, you guys might appreciate it. Oh, I can get that elsewhere, you know. <laughs> oh, well, all right. Without having to deal with Will Ferrell's screen. Go to hell. <laughs> and then I also wanted to talk about Valley of Guanji. That I haven't heard of. It's a Ray Harryhausen film. Oh. Okay. So it's got stop-motion dinosaurs. All right. A western-slash-dinosaur film. What? A dinosaur western. Yeah. Wow. It sounds uh, awesome. They find uh, a little one of those tiny prehistoric horses. 
Oh yeah, and they put it in a sideshow and everything, and then eventually, and then so like, oh, there must be more. So they go back. Yeah, they go back, and that's where things the trouble go haywire. Yeah. Set in circa 1900 Mexico, oh. T.J. Breckenridge, a beautiful cowgirl, hosts a Wild West show that is struggling. Former boyfriend Tuck Kirby, working for Buffalo Bills Wild West show, wants to buy out T.J., but T.J. has an ace. She hopes will boost attendance in her show. A tiny horse. The tiny horse, however, comes from the Forbidden Valley, and a convoy of gypsies demand the tiny horse be returned to the valley. The horse's genesis is also known to a British paleontologist, Sir Horace Brumley. You have to say it like this, Sir Horace Brumley. And working in the nearby desert, TJ, her men, and Tuck eventually find the Forbidden Valley with Brumley and encounter a litany of living dinosaurs. One, a belligerent Allosaurus, is known as Guanji by the gypsies, and a running pursuit sidetracks into a bloody battle with a Styracosaur, and eventually to terror in the outside town. Styracosaur is a triceratops but with more horns on the frill. Oh, In case okay. you didn't know what that was. I did not I know didn't that. Know. I assume I everyone know. knows all the names of dinosaurs like I do. <laughs> uh, so uh, Valley of Guanji, you throw a double thumbs up on that one? I don't know if I'd go that far, Oh, but it was an interesting film. Mexican gypsies and forbidden valleys. Yeah, I don't remember. Tiny horses and stop-motion allosaurus. And then we have... Jurassic Parks. The first one, really entertaining. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big Jeff Goldblum fan. He was in the second one. Yeah, uh, he couldn't save it. <laughs> tried. Tried valiantly. Couldn't bring it back. And they brought the back Sam Neill for number three. Missed the second one. Laura, Laura Dern was in the second one, no Sam Neill. And then Sam Neill in the third one, no Laura Dern. They really, they really needed to bring those kids back. To get eaten. Yeah, well, the yeah. problem is the kids aren't cute anymore because it takes like three <laughs> years to make those yeah. things. And as yeah. we all know from the, uh, we will call it the Macaulay Culkin rule, cute kids, ugly people. <laughs> no, the best part of that movie was when they were going into the security measures on the computer. And it was like a 3D maze that you had to navigate to find the password or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if Hollywood's taught me anything. It's that whenever you need to navigate a computer system, it always has like some sort of like visual construct yeah. right. that you can actually physically navigate instead of just navigating through code. Oh, right? no, the security's going to get us. It's a big flaming skull barring the way through the door. If they made that movie now, there would be like an iPhone app of Newman going, uh, 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 <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Maybe there will be one tomorrow. There was a TV show called Dinosaurs, and Jim it was Vincent. it was basically the Roseanne Barr show, only all the characters were dinosaurs. <laughs> like it was like yeah. a total sit like generic sitcom. Yeah, I think terribly, the, I terribly think the Simpsons really said it best when Homer sat down and watched Dinosaurs, and he said, <laughs> "It's like somebody watched our life and made a show out of it." <laughs> you watch stuff like that, and you wonder what goes through a TV executive's mind. It's like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're going to take a totally regular sitcom. We're going to Cretaceous guys, it up. Yeah, and we're going to put guys in dinosaur costumes and just play it straight. Like they're going to wear <laughs> clothes. They're going to live in houses. They're going to drive cars. It's going they to work for the Flintstones. Uh, except for the fact the Flintstones were people. And it was yeah. a cartoon and not live action with people in dinosaur suits. True. Like – that Seriously. must have been a hell job. Oh, uh, being an actor on dinosaurs, or actually creating the dinosaur <laughs> suits and putting people in these and suits. And you're not like... furthering your career one bit. No, you know you're not getting any face time. There are actually three performers for each of the uh, characters in dinosaurs. Yeah, because the voice, one... the body, and the uh, face and head. Yeah, doing the animatronic doing thing, the, like some yeah. somebody working the, the the levers and controls and whatnot. The baby dinosaurs was voiced by the same voice actor as Elmo. Oh, really? He uh, is currently the Sesame Street Muppet Captain and co-executive producer. Muppet Captain. 
There's what? a title. That's, man, I, oh, man. I would love I, that on my business card. You get the Hugasaur shirt. Yeah. I get the Muppet Captain shirt. Now we know what we're going to put in your caustic soda business card underneath. Because <laughs> mine says the smart, funny, charming one. Uh-huh. And yours says the voice. His is just going to say Hugasaurus. <laughs> I am totally fine with that. <laughs> in the comics, we got Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, also a cartoon. Yeah. Uh, I don't know this one. Uh, the Earth has been ravaged by pollution and natural disasters of all sorts. To escape this, humanity built vast underground cities in which they lived for approximately 600 years. Upon emerging, the humans found that the world had been reclaimed by previously extinct life forms, most spectacularly dinosaurs. We're back. In 600 years, dinosaurs came back? Seems a pretty quick turnaround. See, it took them 700,000 years to die out. They just needed that little window to come back. That's right. <laughs> they just needed us gone, the pollution to die down for a bit. Okay. And then, poof, they spontaneously generate. Uh, so what was the, like, everybody just kind of ran from dinosaurs all the time? Like, ah, it was like post-apocalyptic dinosaur. dinosaurs, yeah. I remember that this cover is fairly, uh, fairly well known. It's it was originally called Xenozoic Tales, but it didn't do as well until they changed the name to Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. Oh, Devil <gasps> Dinosaur. Devil Dinosaur. That was my favorite, Jim Kirby. And Moon Boy. Uh, did you say Jim Kirby or Jack Kirby? Sorry, I meant Jack Kirby. Wow. It's Jim Kirby. I have no idea. I know there's a Jim Kirby. He's his drunk loser brother. <laughs> now, Jim Kirby made all the, did actual, all the drawings and inventive stuff. Oh, and nice. Jack Kirby's like, give me that. Get back to your room. And then he would, he would, he would take the hand and erase the fingers and put them together like that. Devil Dinosaur was a big red Tyrannosaurus Rex and he was awesome. He had a guy on his that's back the or first, something. That's Moon Boy. It's one of the first comics that I ever uh, owned. I got it in one of those three packs. Yeah. Did you get it with that and Micronauts? So I remember wait, picking it's probably up- like Daffy Duck on one yeah. side and Archie on the other and then was Devil it- Dinosaur in between. Well, it's a Marvel what, comic. What was yeah. the plot of this comic book? Well, it was just a dinosaur walking the earth? And- Moon Boy is the first human. But what was the plot? Like what did Devil Dinosaur do in the in the course of any given issue? What did uh, whatever well, what happened in any Marvel comics in the 70s? A bunch of random crap. Yeah. <laughs> Devil Dinosaur and his inseparable ape-like friend Moon Boy are natives of Dinosaur World, a planet in a parallel universe where dinosaurs coexist with tribes well, of primitive go. humanoid beings. At least they went the extra distance to say it is a parallel universe. I didn't get that out of it when coexisted. I was 13. <laughs> you probably weren't nearly as, uh, as replete with knowledge on dinosaurs as you are now. Probably more like eight or something. Yeah, something like that. First appeared in April 1978. Eight. And why, what, uh, what about Devil Dinosaur really appealed to you, Torin? What, what uh, put it over the top as your favorite comic? at the time. That was a big red dinosaur. <laughs> Lots no, of pictures. <laughs> enough said. Jack Kirby came up to Stanley. Got an idea. Okay, big red dinosaur. Enough said. 